Hey everyone, and welcome to Pathways. This is the podcast where we speak with Grenadians and other West Indians who are practicing within the realm of the STEAM disciplines, where STEAM here stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Architecture, and Math. The goal is to have some real conversations with our guests about how they got where they are, the things that have helped them, and the setbacks they've had along the way. Then we can take all of that and bring it directly to you, the listeners. So thank you for joining us, and I hope that you'll find something in today's discussion that resonates and keeps you going on your journey. Andrew Hits Philip, welcome to Pathways. Thanks for having me. Good night, good night. So this isn't just any episode, but it's actually one of our show's inaugural episodes. So thanks a lot for making the time to chat today. It's a pleasure. It's good to, you know, have these platforms where you can share experiences so that, you know, those coming up after can find, you know, some kind of blueprint or at least some kind of enlightenment on what, you know, the road entails. Right, exactly. And so the timing on this one isn't really coincidental either because we're recording this in early September of 2020, just coming out of what would have been the carnival season, and I imagine would have been a really busy season for you as well. Would have. Keyword. Would. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you listening who may not be familiar, Hits is a music producer, an artiste, an entertainer, and... I don't know, what other hats do you wear? What do you call yourself? Uh, well, we like to stick songwriter in there and business person for the fact that I, I like to make sure the word, the title business person is in there because a lot of people tend to think of music as just music, but there's music business and the business side of it is extremely important. If you don't take care of it, then you find yourself in trouble. All right. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we're going to start out here at the base level of your journey. If you could kind of describe yourself during your primary and secondary school years, what kind of young student were you growing up? Well, I've always seemed to have some interest and natural talent for music in the sense that in primary school, I played the recorder as a, as a lot of, you know, um, Grenadian primary school students would do in terms of music. And I believe I, I if I can remember, if I can remember correctly, I did a solo at what would have been a school event at that time. Uh, and then I proceeded, I continued um, through music into Pan at a young age uh, and performing as part of one of the communities. Uh, steel orchestras, the Comanchero Steel Orchestra, at a young age in Panorama, in the, which, which was which was a national event and still is a national event annually put on. And I did I see I'm, I would have done the recorder around six seven somewhere around there, and graduated to Pan by ten nine ten, going on to eleven years of age. And as my life progressed, I just continued going from one aspect of music to the other. Um, I would say that playing pan would have been that point in my life where I, I learned a lot more about music. I mean, doing, playing the recorder, you can only do so much. But when you, when you start playing pan, then you 
start learning about chords and learning about syncopation and just different styles of music. And that was an introductory period for me into, you know, the wide world of music. Okay. And so you actually credit a few people in the early stages of your career as what you might call mentors. So how exactly did those relationships begin and grow and how did you sustain them throughout your growth period? Well, I've had um, several mentors. Um, the mentorship on, in terms of a one-on-one basis didn't really start until I'd, I'd um, graduated into you know, getting into studio and music production and songwriting. Prior to that, you know, it would have been like teachers and at the different levels, you know, teaching music in school and teaching music at the Panyard. But when I got into, finally got into um, music production and songwriting, my first mentor was the late, I, I will call him the late great Dr. Trevor Friday. Um, who is by the title, as the title suggests, uh, who was, sorry, as the title suggests, a practicing doctor, but also was a very well accomplished musician and music producer locally in Grenada. He had had several, you know, um, popular songs within the culture, within Grenada and his diaspora over his time, you know, producing. And by the time I got to work with him, he had already spent a great deal of time being practicing medicine. And so music was more of a passion project as opposed to the, the main bread, bread earner for him. But even still, his passion and his, his um, ability to not just do what he did in terms of composing music, but be open to the new technologies and the new mm-hmm. thoughts and the new trends and the new styles that you know would have occurred over those years. And being open to me as a, someone coming up at a point where um, computer music or DAWs, the, um, this is where you have the programs on computer and you start making digital music. He was, um, we met at a time when that was very, very um, young. And so it, it was a great situation for him and for me, whereas I was the one sitting at home trying to jerk up my computer, figure out all these different th- um, technologies, the software, how it works, how I can make it, you know, do what I needed to do. And he was coming off of, you know, using the analog equipment and was and kind sort of needed that person who could introduce him to the digital side of things and merge those two worlds to continue the growth of music from that sense. So he would have been my first mentor at the age of somewhere around 15, 16, thereabouts. And um, he was my mentor for quite a few years, those, those very um, young years as a music producer and songwriter, until I eventually ended up in Trinidad. And then I had um, several other mentors, which um, who would have been Martin Mice Raymond, who's an accomplished um, music producer in his own right, as well as a sound engineer. And he's a professor in the Trinidad, um, what's the University of Trinidad and Tobago, yes, UTT. Um, him, the, the musical director and the leader of the, of the then Roy Cape All-Stars, which was a touring band in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, Carlisle Juice Roberts, he was the musical director and still is, I believe, at this, um, at this time, even though the, the band has changed um, owners and names. 
but and him and the owner, um, Mr. Roy Cape himself, who within Trinidad culture is somewhat of a living legend because he has a, a wealth of experience from his years being in the culture, performing his instrument. He's a brilliant saxophonist. And those two, those two people, along with the other band members, but those three people, sorry, I mentioned, which is Martin Mice Raymond from a sound engineering perspective, and then Carlisle Juice Roberts and Roy Cape, who we call Pappy. These three individuals within my, my early years in Trinidad and Tobago played a very instrumental role in, you know, mentoring me and helping me to grow not just my craft, but my knowledge of music, um, start some, getting introduced into the business side of things and educate me on some of those aspects of things that I needed, you know, to learn about. Um, there were some other mentors as well um, around that time, but these three were extremely instrumental in terms of uh, these three in Trinidad and one in Grenada were the instrumental ones in the early years of what would who would then become Andrew Hitz for that. Gotcha. Okay, so lots of different people who are influencing you, working along with you, and helping you grow throughout this time. Now, you mentioned moving from Grenada to Trinidad, and it seems like this is where things sort of started taking off for you. What was the catalyst for that move, and how did it really change your career? Well, um, it started taking off just before going to Trinidad. But even prior to that, um, there's a, a story I always like to share in terms of how I got into music production to begin with. Um, a couple of friends of mine, that would be um, Dwayne and Ross Pariag, uh, Dwayne Thompson, sorry, and Ross Pariag, the three of us, we created a group during secondary school years. And we entered the competition at that time, which was Talent Search. And we eventually went through the process and won that. And the prize of winning that was to go into studio and record a song with Dr. Trevor Friday. So this is how I met Dr. Trevor Friday. Or should I say the late, great, because he's, he's no longer with us. And um, so that's how I met him to begin with. And then um, after recording that song and him noticing my my not just interest but passion for music and music production because at that prior to that I've never been in a studio I'd never even you know known much about music production I've, I've always been a fan of music yes and playing music on different in different instruments but in terms of producing it and creating it and recording it I'd been completely oblivious to that until meeting him under those circumstances and then he became my first mentor as I mentioned a little while ago in terms of the way he would have helped my early growth and collaborating with him and then meeting the others. Um, a lot has happened. I mean, we didn't really attach any years to any of the, any specific years to any, anything I've mentioned thus far, but I will state this year because it's a very pinnacle part in terms of the growth and transformation for me just dabbling from what, what, what I would consider an amateur state, stage of um, music production into more of a stable professional, professional stage and career-based stage, which would have been the year of 2007. In 2007, that was the first time I had successfully created music that was not just, how should I say, 
locally accepted and played on local radio stations here in Grenada. It was the first year I'd created music that transcended the borders of Grenada. And this, is, this would have been with Grenadian artists. That year I had music with um, Lava Man, who is a very prominent figure in terms of Grenada cultural music and Jab Jab Soka music. And I'd had some other younger artists that I was developing around that time. We were all working together. And I, I would have been the mind as a producer. So I, it was at that point, that stage where I was into artist development and we were working together to, you know, build forward and build careers. And that would have been the first year I'd had a successful season where music was being played everywhere. There was a great response to it. There was a great appreciation and people were creating experiences to the music that I created. And that was the first time I got to experience that on a big scale, or should I say, a scale in Grenada. So in, in that same year, I chose to travel to Trinidad and Tobago to work with the, one of the mentors I mentioned, which is Carlisle Juice Roberts, who I met in studio in Grenada through Dr. Trevor Friday. So everyone's kind of connected one way or the other. Um, there's, there's, there's connections here and there. I mean, you may have to ask follow-up questions for me to get to some of them, but there are connections to here and there between each stage and each mentor. And so, yeah, when I went to, got to Trinidad and I got the opportunity to meet up with him and work with him in studio, I also, at the time, it had given me, um, what should I say, an opportunity. Because I went to Trinidad on a whim. I had no idea how I would, um, what should I say, maintain myself, how I would take care of myself. I went, I was staying at a friend of mine's family's place on borrowed time, so to speak. And I just went there, you know, I took a big risk to chase after my dreams. And the risk then presented opportunity, which was when I got there, I eventually found um, Khalil Roberts and he found out that he was a musical director in a band called the Roy Cape All-Stars, which was a band I was not familiar with at the time, but then um, very soon came to realize it was a prominent band in the Trinidad and Tobago uh, soca market scene, um, headlined by uh, soca stars like Blacks, Destra Garcia, Ola Tunji, and several stars has come, had come and, come and gone over the years. At that time, it was Blacks, Ola Tunji, and Trini Jacobs, I believe, who were the vocalists of the band. And so at that time, they had just had an opening because someone had left the band and the person who left the band was someone who did something very similar to what I was able to do. It's not uh, a musician-based um, job. However, it's an engineering-based job, sound engineering, whereas I was required to use machines, um, drum machines, to play back loops of percussion samples and vocal samples things that the band wouldn't be playing live on stage. So that way, that way the band plays live, you can still hear a full song and you can still hear every signature parts of the music that you would hear on the radio, but then you still hear that live interpretation from the band and still some of those uh, other sonic tricks and treats that would have been in the recording. And that would have been my job to play that back while the band plays everything else. And having, having that opening, you know, I jumped at the opportunity and 
got through with that. So I then started having an income from the band. And, and around that very same time, I was introduced to Martin Mice Raymond, who would, have, who would then become my mentor from a sound engineering perspective, who, um, who had a studio not far away from where the band rehearsed and where the band, the, the band home is. And so I was able to get into these two situations and then, you know, the journey kind of starts, a new chapter started there. Right. So let me, let me jump into the middle of this here now. So a couple of things, it seemed a lot of the people that you tend to work with from the outset, really like the original mentors seem to also have other professions. So you had like Dr. Friday, had music as more of a side hobby then you had um i think it was mice you said who was also a professor in trinidad and all these other things and then in addition to that you're kind of jumping into this out of pure passion like you didn't you know you didn't go to school for sound engineering or whatever it is you just kind of learn things along the way so how did your entry point tend to be different or similar to typical person that you would have found in, in a position like that was there any any real difference between like your journey and the people that you've been working along and how you get into the well, getting industry in in Trinidad um, specifically there were there were there were complete there were a lot of differences because um um just to clarify though Martin Martin Raymond became a, a professor after the fact he was an engineer first sound engineer okay. first and eventually he became a professor in UTT teaching sound engineering. So it wasn't okay. like he was a professor and then did that on the side. You know, he mm-hmm. became a professor because of his wealth of knowledge and his ability to now share that with new, um, new generations to come. Um, and Kyle Roberts, um, he, his main thing was the, his jobs were music at the end of the day. Um, he was the keyboardist and the musical director of the band, as well as he produced music. So those things came hand in hand, so to speak. The only one who had an outside of music um, occupation would have been the initial mentor, which was Dr. Trevor Friday. Outside okay. of that, the other guys, you know, their jobs would all be surrounding music and whatever they were excellent at. So my journey was different, obviously, not just because I came from a different island, but because I w- did not have access um, in the early days. Like they were in situations where they, especially in Trinidad, there were a lot more um, professionally built music studios. There were a lot more um, opportunities to learn music in schools there were a lot more opportunities in general to create careers out of music. Because in Trinidad and Tobago, their soca music and carnival is such a big business that the practitioners, whether it be sound engineers, musicians, artists, were able to create um, very lucrative careers out of it and, and be just do that as opposed to having to do something else to earn a living while they follow passion, right? So their situation and their opportunities were different and going there gave me opportunities to partake in that, that level of success. My journey being different. Um, I had to, I had initially studied sound engineering by an online course 
um, while I was in Grenada. This was about um, 2005, 2006. Um, I did this course from a university a college, I think it was in England, City and Guilds, I believe it was. And it was a six, six month accredited course. I had to do an exam at the end of it. And they gave me a certificate, but this was all music theory because there was no practical or there was no way for me to do any kind of practical work as part of the course. So I learned a, a music theory there and sorry, not music theory, sound engineering and recording techniques. I learned that the theory of that through that distance learning course. And then when I got to Trinidad, the, all the theory I had learned, I was able to now get practical to associate it with true Martin Mice Raymond, who was the sound engineer in the studio I mentioned. And all the music I would have learned from Pan and growing up in more of a hobby. Yeah, that's more of a hobby, I should say, because it was never a job. But all the music I'd learned from Pan, uh, I was now able to build on that through being in the band. And then now, and then learn how a bass player would play with a drummer and how a drummer would play with a guitarist and how the brass section would arrange um, who plays what and how these, these singers would, you know, approach how they perform the, the songs they would perform. And so getting to be in this space where you have musicians on a daily basis playing together and working together, I, it started, it assisted me in, my, in songwriting and producing because I now understood how a bass man would play against the drums and how the drummer would play against the guitar and how all the musicians would coexist and have this conversation and it not turn out to just be noise. Mm. Okay, I see. So it was a whole developmental process that kind of happened to work out very well for you where it was like one level of interaction with music building upon the other in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of it too was me with taking risks and then the, the risks pre um, pre presenting opportunities and, you know, holding faith on the opportunities to get forward and continuously failing forward. Cause there was a lot of, there was, a, there were missteps along the way. It wasn't all as smooth as the conversation might suggest, but right. at the same day, as, at the same point, the taking the risks and going after the opportunities and making the most out of each one, each failure and each success paved the way for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Okay, so that that's kind of giving me an opening to move in two different directions and I really want to go down both of them. So let's <laughs> see which one goes first here. Um, so to anyone looking at your body of work over the past few years, it's really pretty impressive stuff. So you've worked with the, like you said, Lava Man, the likes of Talpri, down to, you know, Kess, Destra, David Rudder, Marshall Montano, Iowa George. What was the experience like? And how have you had to grow and change as a professional with each new collaboration? Well, I've, um, with each, the, the, what, how should I put this? The core of it is remembering that each situation is different and you never stop learning. You never stop growing. You only keep taking, you know, the best parts of the information that you have when you continue moving forward and adding it with whatever you learn next. And each collaboration 
would have got would have taught me different things um like for example working with uh Iowa George for example I learned how you know conflict in a situation can still you know birth a gem because we didn't necessarily agree on all the ideas that would have come out that would have been that would have ended up in some of the songs we have done but however us disagreeing somehow allowed us mm -hmm. to find a common ground that worked really well for that collaboration between me and him and whereas other collaborations like for example myself and blacks the it was more of a smooth flow where you know i he would lean on my youth and my and my you know new creative ideas and as well as i would lean, lean on his vocal ability and his knowledge of vocal performance and how he would execute things and you know in with more find a more symbiotic relationship building music there as opposed to a situation with Marshall Montana where his thing was always like let me squeeze the best i can get out of you so okay this is your idea how can we make it better and how can we push this idea past its breaking point into something that can be you know a greater experience so each working with each artist would um, pose different challenges as well as they they offer different enlightenments and different learning points and those over the years um continue to build on to on the other on the other on the other and allowed me to continue evolving and not just how should I say find success in at one point but find consistency and consistent success over um a lot of years right okay and so now to swing it in the opposite direction you mentioned that you know it it wasn't just all smooth sailing the whole way no. so there's definitely been some point where you've had struggles or you know for some reason you were questioning your decisions or your path so talk about a time where you questioned yourself the most um well i necessarily say there is one point where i feel like i've questioned myself the most but there are several there are several instances where that happens because um a men one of my mentors at one point had um told me you know if if you don't continue to push the envelope then you won't continue to grow and but however you have to keep in mind in pushing the envelope that means you open yourself up to potential potentially failing here and there and the journey is going to have peaks and valleys so along the way it's never it's not really a situation where you just get to a point and after that is smooth sailing valleys still pop up here and there and the one I, I i can think of off the top of my head that might have been one of the most um memorable for me might be when i finally left the roy cape all-stars and decided to pursue my career in songwriting and music production and eventually go back into being an artist myself that would have been back in 2012 i believe i i find um i eventually left the band or 13 one of those years and in leaving the band i had then left what would have been um somewhat of a, st a stable situation 
but I left that to try and find, you know, my way and create my mark as opposed to just being a part of someone else's situation. I really wanted to create me as a brand or take me as a brand and build it into, you know, a bigger thing. And in doing that, the loss of the, what would have been the income from the band really started making me question the, the choice I made because it took a while after leaving that situation for it, for me to um, get back on my feet in the, in the sense that my work in producing and writing alone, as well as, you know, doing my artistry, were able to pick up the slack and maintain the lifestyle that I would have created and which would have been, um, how should I, say? I should say would have been, but which was traveling quite frequently, living in different places, um, collaborating with people in different parts of the world. At that point in time, I had started collaborating with people in LA and I started working with um, a guy called DJ Buddha, who, is, who would have then been my next mentor and to present, he is still one of my mentors, um, Uralis Vargas, DJ Buddha. Just a quick um, highlight on him. He was, he was once Pitbull's tour DJ and produced quite a bit of songs for Pitbull. He's produced for Chris Brown. Um, he's produced for Enrique Iglesias. Quite a few people on the Latin side of the, of, of the market. He's produced for Afrojack. He's had some top, top, one, top 10 songs on the Billboard Hot 100 as well. And so when I got the opportunity to work with him, I, I got the opportunity to not just get another mentor, but work in a situation that was bigger than just soca music and being part of the Caribbean music scene. And again, that was another point where I shifted gears a bit and took another risk in terms of expanding the, my musical, not just knowledge, but my the, um, the music I would work on and the music I would create. Because mm -hmm. now you're taking more of an international dance and not just, you know, focusing on Caribbean soca and whatnot. Exactly, yeah. Got it. Okay, so big progressions there. Now, in all of this, what really motivates you to keep progressing? Is it just that, you know, you love what you're doing so much or... Do you sometimes wake up in the morning and you're like, all right, I have to go do this again? Not feeling like it, but, you know, there's some kind of drive or something that just pushes you and keeps you going at it. The, well, the passion, the passion and the fact that um, I believe, I've always believed and have always felt like I've known that, you know, m music and creating music is my calling, it's my gift. So I'm, and there's this saying when, you know, if you live, if you live in your gift, your gift will find, you know, will show you the way. So me, me being quite aware that my, this is my passion. This is my gift. This is what I can contribute to the world. It allows me to, to continuously do it. And every time I, I see some level of success, um, that shows me that you know what once i keep at it i will continue to grow i'll continue to find success and i will continue i'll continue to break new ground and 
make moves, so to speak. And I've learned, I learned quite, um, quite early that giving up is the only way to truly fail. So no matter how many times I fail, I know once I continue to try, eventually I will continue to find, you know, another success and another success and keep going. So no matter how dark times might get, no matter, you know, what life might throw at me, uh, eventually, you know, they say when you get tired, you know, you take a nap, you take a rest, but the just remember to get up and keep going. Right, right. So, of course, you know, you want to keep progressing, keep moving. What do you think the next five years or so have coming for you in terms of, you know, that constant progression? Do you have set goals in mind or just kind of letting things flow? Well, well, I actually, due to the success of some of the work that I did last year, like, for example, the controversy rhythm that really, this is me going back into my core as a soca producer, songwriter, and now artist. The success of that project, and then there was another project I did called Whistle and Work, which got picked up by, through Therapist Music and DJ Buddha, got picked up by Zumba on one of their compilations, fitness compilations, and did something that none of my other songs had really done. It's found a greater, uh, a wider audience because the Zumba fitness audience is really huge at this point. And uh, the success of that project really opened my eyes to, you know, the possibilities that can happen even from this genre. Um, it's, and to the fact that it's not necessary to try and force your way into someone else's genre, but you can take your home, your culture and package it now more than ever in a way that the world can accept it, whether it's through one form or the other. And, you know, you can still find continued, continued, continued success sorry, um, with that. And that being said, there was no expectations or no predictions, no way to predict 2020 and the way that it turned out. But now that we're here, um, um, through this pa- in, with, in the middle of this pandemic, there, I feel like there's no way to set any solid projections for the next two, three years. Is, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, I'm going to be, or I'm aiming to do this within the next two, three years, because there's a lot of wait and see with what's going on through, um, through COVID-19. And until the wait and right. see starts having some kind of definitive timeline, um, to say, okay, there's a vaccine, so maybe within the next year, year and a half, um, think we can go back to some semblance of normalcy. Until that can happen, then there is really no way to, pre- to predict or project much because a great deal of, of what I do is based on, you know, parties and carnivals and people gathering and celebrating and ha- enjoying music together in one space and festivals, you know. Um, a lot of it mm-hmm. is based on... Tr- traveling and touring and without the ability to do that there is isn't a way to say you know what the next couple of years can hold right so with with COVID-19 and all the madness of 2020 how has that how much has that affected your not just like your day-to-day career but how have you had to pivot in order to continue doing what you love to do and still 
I don't know, maybe be relevant in in this year and time without, without all the carnival hype and everything. No, that is an ongoing. Um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? That is ongoing R and D, because I'm st- I'm still yet to, and a lot of us within the, um, this genre are still yet to figure out the correct answer. Part um, greatly in part for the fact that soca music specifically is a music that lives and dies with the festival which is a pro and con, especially a huge con now because there, there hasn't been a Soka festival for, since Trinidad's Carnival um, in the earlier part of this year. And without those crowds partying, without those ability, um, you know, those promoters putting on events, without those DJs, you know, playing Soka music in, in these different forums, people have gravitated to other types of music that you can listen to um, and just, you know, chill and relax and get your mind off of what's happening now. Soka music is very, very, very much social gathering music. And without social gatherings, it's been difficult to figure out, you know, what incarnation of that genre people would sit down and listen to while they're at home without them feeling like, you know, oh, wow, not, that makes me miss Carnival even more. That makes me miss the club even more. That makes me miss, miss partying even more. And mm-hmm. that, that, so that, that all being considered, it's an ongoing challenge because a lot of artists are trying to figure out, you know, how can we package the music now that it can, appeal, it can still appeal without creating that, you know, negative effect in people where they start missing the Carnival even more and missing all these activities even more and then and as a result not wanting to even listen to the music right right that that's something i didn't, I didn't even think of you know you would think that music is something that you can easily share and so you wouldn't you wouldn't see it as such a big problem not being able to meet people in person but that's a good point that you bring up just on the effect on people in general when they're already going through such you know stressful times exactly yeah and we, we carnival as we know it is an event or festival if you want to call it that that is based on release that's what that's really what people use it for you know if you've had a, a, a tough year you go to carnival in trinidad or wherever and you revel in the streets for a couple of days and you just let everything out. And that in itself is an experience. And the, I mean, there's levels of dopamine that come out that, you know, the body creates within those experiences and memories that you create with your friends. You go into their crew, you went with whoever, you met people, whatever. But just being able to be in these massive crowds and have, and have you know, these, the, this revelry and burst of energy and jumping and drinking and, you know, the experience is so, so ingrained in the music that having the music without the experience is kind of, you know, a shock factor to people and, they, and people haven't been responding to it as well as. So it's a, it's a con, however, it's presenting the opportunity for all of us, um, the creators of the genre, to find another incarnation of the music that can survive outside of the festivals and outside of the carnivals and outside of the activities. Right. Well, 
I think we're all hoping that you all find something for that soon because of that description you just gave there, you're making me miss it too. <laughs> yeah, and, and this this is part of what I, um, why I say, you know, there's a, it's so easy to just enjoy music and there's a lot of things that we all take for granted. I mean, something as simple as being able to go outside without having a mask on mm-hmm. was something that we never thought we'd have, we'd miss you know, until we were put in a situation to miss it. And it's the same with the music. Like, there's so much attached to the, to music from in different genres because we're not the only genre that su- is suffering in, in one way or the other. Right. Artists around the world are no longer able to tour and pack arenas and perform to tens of thousands of people. So, you know, everyone's feeling the pinch one way or the other. And so that being said, the... You, you really never really, we really never saw how much we, the genre and the style of music would miss carnivals until we were unable to have carnival. And now we all are like, oh, wow, it is so ingrained that the music itself is now, you know, feeling a pinch, feeling, feeling a hit. That being said, I myself, have, um, having the fortune of the music that was successful in the past few years, I've not really been in a dire, dire situation. I've been able to work from my home studio. Um, I've been working remotely for some time now with technology has, has allowed us to have an artist record in, uh, in Tokyo and send, them, send their vocals and have a musician play in Trinidad and send his, um, send his recordings. And I just sit at my computer in my home studio and put it together and still create music. So the creation part in terms of the actual work has not really changed for me. What may have changed is that there's no longer those energies from the activities to translate into the music. So I have to kind of create that out of my own essence. Um, Because music is really a conduit of emotions and energies. And energy, as physics would state, is only transferred it can never really be destroyed right right and so when you get energy from being in an activity or being in a crowd or being at an event or being around people and you can then translate that into the into soca more soca music that and this is something i'd always done even from being in the band when we travel to different parts of the world and perform and the energy from the crowd and the energy and the way people would respond to different things. I'd say, okay, I like that. I like this. And then I'd put it into music. And then that would then become a cycle where the music would come out, people would react. And then I'd take that reaction and put it back into more music and just continue going. Now that cycle has been broken because there isn't the crowd to give that, you know, reaction and that immediate burst of energy that I can mm-hmm. say, oh, I like this and take it and put it back. I now have to kind of create that all from the ether and, you know, just pull it from the muses and try and see, you know, how best I can create. So it's a challenge. But yeah. at the end of the day, that's, you know, all part of it. You have to be on hype man these days. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak, yeah. All right. So it's been a really good conversation so far. I think we went in a lot of different directions and kind of covered a broad range of what it is that you do and the music industry in general. What would you say now that, you know, looking back at the past 10 years or so of your life and how you got to where you are now, what would you say to a young 14, 15 year old 
where you were when you just started developing these passions, who is interested in music or, you know, interested in sound engineering and looking for a way to get into it? What kind of advice would you have for them? Well, I would, I would first and foremost say, uh, be, educate yourself in terms of the, not just the, the field that you want to head into, um, music production, songwriting, whatever it is, you got to educate yourself in general. Cause a lot of it is if you don't know, or if your mind is, isn't well developed, you can be take, you can be used quite easily. There's a lot of sharks in the industry. And so to know, you know, about the industry before you get into it, otherwise you can be, you know, um, tossed around and spit out, spat out real quickly and have like a bitter taste in your mouth. And definitely a while within the, the, you know, energy of educating yourself, you definitely need to educate yourself on what you want to do, whether it's songwriting, it's sound engineering, it's mixing, it's mastering, it's um, performing, it's recording, whatever it is. You've got to learn and practice, 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 but you have to understand and have an understanding of the business of everything and, you know, what royalties are, you know, what owning a master is, what a master is, what, um, who has rights to what, how much the industry standard is for, you know, payments for different tasks and, you just got to find as much knowledge as possible and t- take risks. You got to go where the opportunities are. Sometimes you might be in one place and want to do something, but where you are isn't really conducive to that. And like in my situation, when I went to Trinidad, I got the opportunities I needed to build a career out of it. And had I not gone to Trinidad, who knows what, where that journey would have um how the journey would have unfolded, you know, would I have been able to find the success that I have now and continue to build on or would, would the situation be completely different, you know? So you got to take risks and educate yourself and keep learning. Right. And something that you're mentioning, and it's not the first time I've heard, you know, how much you need to have some type of business sense on the side of whatever it is that you're doing. And maybe it's more related to creative industries, but is that something that you were able to, you know, learn in an academic or professional setting? Or is it a situation where you were just able to develop that business sense through the experiences that you had along the way? Well, I'm, I was I was fortunate um, to have, you know, mentors who were able to you know how how they put it school me on the game um teach me along the way so mm-hmm. i'd I'd learned quite a few things along the way some some areas I made mistakes, and even then um i i will I will never forget this one incident where this one instance sorry where um an artist had you know s- swindled me out of some money, and mm-hmm. it, at the time it had really hurt me because you know I'd really put my all into the work. And, you know, I was looking forward to, you know, being compensated the right way. And when it happened, um, one of the guys around me, an elder, he mentioned, he said, um, school is expensive no matter where you go. And it, at, the, at the time, him saying it, 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 you know, 
it was slightly annoying, but no, it didn't take me long to understand what he meant. Right. He, he was telling me in a, in, you know, in a slick way that I had just paid for an education in a situation. And so now I won't make that mistake again. Um, I'll handle my business correctly so that it doesn't happen. So he was just telling me, you know, that you just paid for a lesson. And so just take it as that and keep it moving and, you know, don't dwell on it. So that being said, that, that information is out there. You can go to school for it. You can go to college for it. There's different ways. But at the same time, is it's better found when you seek it as opposed to trying to stay in one place and hope it comes to you or hope you find it. You gotta you gotta put yourself out there and find and go seek. You know, you gotta go find that information. Mm -hmm. Okay, for it in the school of life, <laughs> or in the school of schools, whichever one. <laughs> right, take your pick. <laughs> take your pick. All right. Well, I feel like there's there's still more that we could talk about, but I don't want to, you know overload yeah take on too much of your time yeah so thanks so much for sharing all of this with us thanks for having me it's been a really great conversation and i'm hoping that someone out there finds it useful or you know at least is interested in hearing about what it is that you do so for people interested in following along and seeing what you're up to or you know even reaching out to you for some advice What's a good way for them to find you? Well, the best way um, I, um, is to find me on any other platforms, uh, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, mm -hmm. um, I, I think I still have Twitter. I can't remember. Um, it's at Andrew Hits Philip. That will be A-N-D-R-E-W-H-I-T-Z-P-H-I-L-L-I-P on those platforms. You know, just search for me, follow me. Uh, you can send me messages. I, I'll respond um i'm open to you know sharing the the knowledge that i picked up along the way and you know i mean because at the end of the day someone taught me what i know right, right. so it's only good to pay it forward right. and keep the blessing flowing yeah so it's all good all right so that's at andrew hits philip hits with a z yep. on social media facebook instagram maybe twitter yeah <laughs> And um, there, there is www.andrewhitsphilip.com where you can also email me from there as well. Um, so there, those are the options. You just, you know, reach out. Feel free. All right. Well, it would be remiss of me to let this end and not say a huge thank you for actually providing the theme song for this podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no problem. So, people, the track that you hear on the intro and outro is actually a hits original. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. Thanks again, Andrew. Take care. Have a good, good one. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us on today's Pathway. <laughs> <laughs>